you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to go ahead and turn. Or, matter of fact, I want to be very clear as we wrap up today, you are going to probably feel like you're drinking from a fire hydrant. <laughs> I want you to flip to Numbers chapter 23. This, this uh, one verse will be on the, uh, the screen as well. But when I say promises, as we think about this, as a matter of fact, I want you to think about the, the, the songs we just sang. I, I, I think, number one, that last song has a lot of uh, resonating or does a lot of resonating in my heart because my dad was diagnosed with stage four bone cancer and uh, about the time that song came out. And when uh, I remember the song first playing on the radio and I heard um, that my bones will literally cry out and singing, that's, that just brought a, 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 an encouragement to me because I knew my dad was going to die, right? Stage four bone cancer, there's no cure at that point. It's, it's over. But I knew that my dad's body in the midst of going uh, through what it was going to go through was going to also cry out uh, about how good God was. And so when we think about that, and then I think about Waymaker, Miracle Worker, What's the next words? Did anybody remember that? Promise what? Promise keeper. So today we're going to be jumping in and looking at God's promises, and here's the reason why. In all the voices that goes on, as a matter of fact, you're blessed by not having to listen uh, again to that, that introduction, if you want to call it, right? But a lot of times what we end up doing or what we end up missing out on is the very promise that God wants to give us through his word, right? The Bible is full of God's promises. As a matter of fact, as I was prepping for this, there are some that said there are as many as 7,000 promises from God to his people that is going to be carried out within scripture, that he's going to reveal. And there, So we're going to jump in just a little bit. We're going to unpack a few of these things. But when I say promises, I want to ask you this question. What comes to mind, right? For me, promises, when I think about this, to my earliest age, when I say this idea of promises, there are things like this. I pinky, I pinky swear, or I pinky promise. We always did pinky promises, right? Right? I pinky promise. I'm not going to. And, and here's what ends up happening oftentimes. When I make a promise or when we've made promises in the past, maybe you followed through or maybe you haven't. Maybe you'd look in the end and you'd go, yeah, I really, I really failed on that. I, I, I really set out and I promised to do things. Like maybe you promised your mom and dad, I'll never do that again. And the next day or maybe the next hour, you went right back into doing what you said you would what? Never do again. I'll never do that again, mom and dad. Or, or maybe you've made a promise. We're going to go and do this. You know, as a parent, oftentimes I think about, I'm glad I don't make promises because there's a lot of times it's like, oh, I promise we're going to get there. And then it doesn't happen, right? So when you think of promises, oftentimes maybe that's what you think about. But as we look at scripture, Numbers chapter 23, I want you to think about this. The promises that God makes are rock solid. They're unequaled commitments made by God himself to his people. God is faithful, and with each and every one of God's promises, we can have full assurance that what God promises he's going to do will be fulfilled. And here's the reason why. When we look at scripture, we see God make a promise, and then we see God fulfill a promise. We say God, we see God make a statement to an individual, and then we see God fulfill that statement or, or to a people, and then we see God fulfill those promises each and every time. And so I believe that God speaks loudly through the promises that he's given. But oftentimes, listen, if he speaks loudly through the promises that he's given, 
In other words, answering those things, I believe he also speaks softly in his voice when he gives the promises he's going to make. Here's the struggle that most of us run into. We're so bombarded with everything else with a loud voice that we miss out on the still small voice when God is wanting to give you the promise that he's made in his word, but yet we're bombarded by all those exterior things that are going on. And so what I want to look at today is this. Listen to what Numbers chapter 23 verse 19 says. God is not human. God is not a man, is what he's saying, that he should lie. He's not a human being nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? And the question in, re- in reality is a rhetorical question because in, in the book of Numbers, what we're seeing is they've finally started to divide out the land and the people are being divided up. And as, as a result of these things, what we begin to see is that they're taking this count and, and, and they're being reminded of the promises that God made that are now being fulfilled through the very promises that he said would happen. In other words, through time, because of the obedience of the people, they're finally going to be led into the promised land. They're going to be divided up. And so as a result, God's promises are fulfilled. Now, I want us to know that there are two types of promises we see in in Scripture. There are conditional promises and there are unconditional promises. Here's an unconditional promise. In Genesis chapter 9, in verse 11, God says this, I establish my covenant, in other words, my promise with you, never again will all of life be destroyed by the waters of a flood, and never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. So there is an unconditional promise, right? God says, this is an unconditional, it's not based upon your condition. In other words, he's not saying, I won't flood the earth if, as long as you don't do these things. He's saying, listen, I will never do this again, where I'm going to destroy all of mankind by the flood on the earth. But, There are conditional clauses or conditional promises that we see in Scripture. One of them is a famous one that oftentimes gets used in politics to a certain extent. But 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14 says this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal, heal their land. There is the conditional promise, right? If my people do these things, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. There's the conditional promise. God lays that out. So we can see those things play out. So as you read through scripture, I want to challenge you to look at the promises of God and go, is this a conditional promise or is this an unconditional promise? What I venture would say is this, a lot of God's promises are unconditional, but a lot of God's promises are conditional, right? He promised to take the people into the promised land. He said that, that's, that's, I am going to take you into the promised land, right? There is this unconditional promise right there. But there's a condition upon it in reality is that it's unconditional and God wants to give it to us, but it's conditional on the fact that are you going to walk in obedience, to what God has called you to do. And what we see is the people of Israel didn't walk in obedience. And so as a result of not walking in obedience, not listening to the voice of God, there are 12 spies sent into the land, 10 come back and say, we're not going. God said, I'm giving it to you. They're like, we're not going. The other two said, heck yeah, let's go. 
God promised that we're going to go into the promised land. Let's do it. And the people choose not to do it. So I want you to see how these play out. Here's the big idea. If you remember anything from today, I want you to remember this, that God's promises are 100% reliable. 100% reliable. So we must believe them to overcome. Listen, to overcome the worries and fear of today and tomorrow. Like, we live in a society right now that that last statement has to begin to resonate for us as believers. Why? Because God's promises are 100% reliable. So listen, so we must believe them to overcome the worries and fears of today and tomorrow. Like, I think it's, everybody's like, oh my gosh, is it the end of the world? Oh my gosh, everything's going to, 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 to be chaotic. There's violence that's on the increase. All of these things play out, but we have to build our lives as believers, as followers of Jesus, to build our lives upon the promises of God and not allow, listen, not allow doubt to mislead us, not allow the voices that are oftentimes speaking. It could be anxiety and worry and fear and things like that that are internal voices. It could be external voices like social media and media and politics and everything else, those voices begin to overwhelm us. And then we begin to think God's promises aren't reliable when the reality is that God's promises are 100% reliable. And so therefore we've got to believe them to overcome the worries and fears of today and tomorrow. William Carey said it this, he's a famous preacher and missionary, the future is as bright as the promises of God. And I hope you love that because I love that. The future is as bright as the promises of God. So many times we look at the world and go, oh my gosh. And what we can realize and what we can build our life upon is that the promises of God are going to be fulfilled and the, the future is so bright as a result of that. So I want to give us three things we're going to look at as we jump into the, a number of different texts. So I told you you're going to feel like you're drinking from a fire hydrant maybe. Number one is this, every promise of God will be fulfilled. Everybody say that with me. Every promise of God will be fulfilled. It's not, oh, it might be fulfilled. It's not like, well, if every promise that God makes will be fulfilled. Listen to Joshua chapter 21. Listen, this is after they've now been into the promised land. Joshua has led them into the promised land. And as they've gone into the promised land, listen to what it says in Joshua chapter 21, verse 45. Not one of all the Lord's good promises to the house of Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. Even while they had to detour through the, the, the desert area, every one of God's promises was fulfilled. When they needed provision, God provided provision. When they needed direction, God provided direction. When they needed to know where to go, God led them by fire by day, or uh, sorry, smoke by day and a, a pillar of fire by night. God always fulfills his promises. As a matter of fact, God's love for his people, as well as his commitment to his promises, are what we must build our lives upon. So I build my life upon the truth of God's word, the voice of truth, because every promise of God will be fulfilled. It's just a matter of when. How does the timing look? How does that play out in my life? But every promise of God will be fulfilled. Matter of fact, as we saw a couple weeks ago with Pastor Buddy's preaching on Psalm 1, is that God promises blessing for all of those who delight themselves in his word, 
whatever he does prospers. So listen, if every promise of God must be fulfilled or will be fulfilled, then I want to build my life upon that truth. So number two is this. I have to begin to claim the promises of God by faith. I have to begin to claim the promises of God by faith. Now, we could spend a lot of time and a a lot of effort going into this, but I want you to understand what plays out in this, that God, when he makes a statement to people, statements like this, the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis chapter 12 is God's promise to Abraham that he will, number one, bless Abraham, number two, bless the nation of Israel, and as a result, he will bless those who bless you and he will curse those who curse you. There's a promise that God makes to Abraham that's carried out today in the nation of Israel. And if you read Romans 9, it says not all who are Israel are just born of Israel, but it's this idea that we are part of the kingdom of God. So for believers today, God's promises are still applied to those whose faith is in Jesus Christ. So when I talk about claiming the promises of God by faith, what I'm talking about is this, that it's my faith in Jesus that leads me into a way everlasting, that's, that's into life more abundantly. Hebrews chapter 11 in verses 33 and 34 says this, who through faith, listen, I want you to think about this, this is called the hall of faith or the hall of fame of faith, if you want to call it that. But in Hebrews chapter 11, he's talking about what it means by faith. Listen, he's talking about people who have been persecuted and things like this. These individuals who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies all because of their faith in the promises of God. So you can kind of go back there and you can think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You can think of Daniel in the lion's den. You could think of the nation of Israel as they routed foreign armies. You can think about this idea of those who escaped the edge of the sword, all by faith. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says this, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So when I talk about claiming the promises of God by faith, then I have to begin to understand that I have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ through faith. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not by works so that anyone must, can boast. So I claim the promises of God by faith. All throughout Scripture, there are promises given. Some are given very specifically like the one to Abraham. Others are given very generally to the whole of the people that are followers of Christ. See, the acts of obedience and faith of the people are what led to the promises of God being fulfilled. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. Why? Because he didn't bow down and worship and pray to the 90-foot statue. Instead, he was faithful to what God had called him to do. So it is by faith that he sees the promises of God played out, that God shut the mouths of the lions in that circumstance and situation. See, God does not give us everything we want, but he does fulfill his promises. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says it this way, God does not give us everything we want, but he does fulfill his promises, leading us along the best and straightest paths to himself. 
Now, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a pastor who spoke against Nazi Germany when he lived in Nazi Germany that led to him being killed as a result of that. And he says, listen, no matter what I face, no matter the difficulties that come along, leading me along the best and straightest paths is, the God, is, is God's promise. From the promise to bless every nation in Genesis 12 to the fulfillment of giving the Israelite nation land in the book of Joshua to the coming of Jesus as a baby born to a virgin to his death on the cross, God's promises are true. And listen, it doesn't stop there because God promised that Jesus will return. And so when everybody begins to go, well, I don't know, I don't really believe that. Well, I don't know, it's kind of a little... Listen, every promise that God has ever said has always come true. I, you've got to get that. We have to, as believers, as followers of Jesus, you have to begin to let that just permeate your mind and begin to overwhelm your heart because what God says, what God promises will always come true to fruition. It will always come about. And I don't know about you, I don't want to be one of the 10 that doesn't listen to the promise of God and walks in the desert for 40 years and doesn't get to experience the abundance that God promised. I want to be one of the two that says, God, whatever it takes, I will follow you because you have made that promise and I will listen to that promise and I will follow you for all the days of my life so that I can experience the abundant life that you have for me. So listen, Every one of those things plays out. Why? Because God's promises are 100% reliable. And here's the third thing. You're going to be like, man, this is short, pastor. <laughs> I want to look at a couple of the promises because here's number three. Comfort comes when we build upon God's promises. When I build my life upon God's promises, then true comfort and true peace come as a result of that. So what I wanted to do was to spend this brief moment, the next 10 minutes or so, looking at the promises of God because of what he offers. And so I'm going to unpack just a few of them, about five of these promises that I think we have to look at and we have to begin to understand and claim by faith, all right? If God's promises are 100% reliable, and as a result of that, I must believe them to overcome the worries and fears of today and tomorrow, right? So if that's the case, then here are the promises. Number one, under, under number three, there's this, that God promises salvation to all who believe in his son. There's promise number one, that if you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose again, that offers you life and life more abundantly, he died for your sins. If you believe that, the Bible says that you are saved. Matter of fact, listen to this, Romans chapter 10, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe he died on the cross, you will be saved. Second Peter chapter 3. I have people all the time, and it always seems like it's older individuals. I'm not trying to knock on you if you're older, right? But my mom and I had a great conversation kind of about this over the last couple of weeks as she was here. But as you get older, there's always this like, man, I just can't wait for Jesus to come back. And as a teenager, you're always like, what are you talking about? I want to get married. I want to have kids. I want to, right? Anybody else been there? Okay, but here's what ends up playing out. And I want us to know this answer. Second Peter chapter three, verses eight and nine says this, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord, listen, is not slow in keeping his promises. 
He's not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, listen, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The comfort that comes as a result of that is this, that I don't worry about when Jesus is going to come because I know he's going to come. And that every day that the Lord waits is a day that God's saying, I am patient, wanting others to hear the good news, wanting others to respond by faith to Jesus Christ, wanting others to come to life and life more abundantly. That when the church sits back and goes, I can't wait for Jesus to come, in reality, what we need to be saying is, every day that the Lord waits is a day that I'm going to present the gospel to somebody who doesn't know, because they right now are overcome by the worries and fear of today and tomorrow. And so listen. God's promises, or God's promise is salvation to all who believe in his son. So there's promise number one, that no matter what I do or have done in the past, that God offers me the forgiveness of sins, that God offers me life and life more abundantly. Every day the Lord waits to come back is another day God is giving people an opportunity to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And I believe wholeheartedly that for some of you, He might be knocking right now. He's patient. See, that's what's crazy. People would say this like this. Well, if that's the case, then I I just can't believe because I don't know that he'll ever come back. Jesus is going to come back. That's a promise. And when the Father tells him to come, he's going to come. But he's patient. And here's why says he's patient, not wanting anyone to perish, or not wanting any to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. There is no greater blessing than to receive God's free gift of salvation. So that's promise number one. God's promise promises salvation to all who believe in the Son. Promise number two, God promises to give you rest. Anybody tired? Right? Like, I mean, maybe you're not physically Tired. Maybe you are physically tired, but are you just tired? Tired of everything that's going on in the world at times? Tired of violence? Tired of hatred? Tired of bickering? Tired of politics? Tired of media? Tired of people? (laughs) Okay. Here's the beauty God promises to give us rest. Listen again what Jesus says Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You ever feel like you're tired because you're caught in the rat race of life? Constantly, go, go, go. Got to do this. Got to get that done. Got to go, 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 go. Not, not pleasing these people. Not, not pleasing these other people. I'm stuck in the middle. I don't know what's going on. And Jesus says, listen, quit worrying about everything else. Quit lear- lear- worrying about every other voice under the sun. We talked a little bit about social media some last week, but I want you to think about that. If if, if people are, are more prone to anxiety, stress, and depression as a result of social media, Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. I saw a statement last night from an individual that I'm friends with on Facebook who said, why do I feel like I constantly have to impress others because of what I see in their lives on Facebook? And I went, man, that's about 100% true because everybody, it seems like, is like, oh, look, their life is so great, so grand, so wonderful because of what we portray in social media. Listen, all of those portrayals, 
for some are just nothing but fake. God promises to give us rest. Rest from the chaos of life. Rest from everything else that's going on. Rest. Why? Because his burden is light. Number three, I want you to see is this, that God promises peace when we pray. Do you struggle with having peace? Do you worry over everything that's going on in life? Do you think and fret about things consistently? Listen, God promises peace when we pray. Philippians chapter four, do not be anxious. In other words, do not worry about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, listen, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And here's what he says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Remember those voices? Voices that may be speaking into my heart internally, anxiety, worry, fear, depression, pleasure, trying to please other people. The voices are speaking into our mind from the outside, politics, even for some religion. Everything else is going on outside. We're getting bombarded. And listen, Jesus says it point blank, or God says it to us. God promises peace when we pray. Why? Because when we pray, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's a promise I can build my life upon that when I'm going through the storms and the trials of life, when I'm being surrounded by other words and statements from other individuals, I can pray about it because God is going to guard my heart and my mind with the truth of his word. So God promises me peace when I pray. Here's the big kicker. It doesn't mean he's going to take you out of the fire. It just means that he's going to be in the fire with you. But when I pray, I can experience the peace that God wants to give me because he's going to guard my heart and my mind. Number four, God promises his children, listen, that all things work out for their good. Now, I know that statement, and at the the wrong time, like in a funeral, when somebody walks up to you and is like, oh, I'm sorry, all things work together for good. Sometimes you just want to dot the nose, if you know what I'm talking about. I mean, don't say that, honestly. If you go to a friend at a funeral and say, oh, God, God works all things out together for good, not the time to say that. You got to give them some time. Job's friends, when Job was going through everything, the greatest thing they ever did was to go and mourn with him and shut up right? Sit there and cry with them and hug on them and encourage them, but not sit there and be like, oh, let me be the voice of wisdom to you right now. Sometimes it's just best to just sit there and be quiet. But listen, God promises his children that all things will work out for their good. Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Listen, Corey Ten Boom says it this way, and if you don't know the story of Corey Ten Boom, she's a great Christian writer who was paralyzed from the neck down in a diving accident. She dove in uh, to, to a water and broke her neck, ends up being paralyzed from the neck down. But listen to what she says. Let God's promises shine on your problems. Why? Because God promises his children that all things work out for their good. Now, you're probably sitting there going, well, that's great, Pastor, but what about when it gets tough? 
All I can tell you is this, that when I lost my dad or when I've lost friends and loved ones, the only hope I had was to rest upon the promises of God. That number one, those individuals that I knew that were with Christ were with Jesus in heaven. Because it says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Number two, is that I know based upon the promises of God that this world is passing away. It is failing, which also includes us. Every funeral I've ever done, I've never had somebody just sit up halfway through and go, well, I guess I'm going to decide to get on up out of this coffin. Nope, they're dead. At least here physically. But God promises that his children, that all things work together for good. And that means, listen, that if I begin to suffer as a result of what's going on, whether it's I suffer physically because of disease or I suffer spiritually because of persecution and things like that, that God is doing it for my good. And we can see that all throughout Scripture, whether it's the story of Job, who was a righteous man who lost everything, including his kids and his financial state of being and his possessions, but yet at the same time, he never cursed God. Or if I can look at, at, at the life of Joseph. Joseph had detours consistently. And people say, Joseph, I don't know why he didn't just walk away from God. But what's funny is in every circumstance Joseph went to, Joseph was obedient to what the Lord had called him to do. And as a result, he ends up leading the nation of Israel, or really, sorry, the nation of Egypt to, to, to stability in the midst of a drought. Joseph was a man of great integrity who was accused of things that he never did wrong. Why? Because God's promises, or God promises his children that all things will work out for their good. And the last one, God promises he will return for us. John chapter 14 says, I go and prepare a place for you, and I will bring you with me when I come back. First Thessalonians chapter 5 says this, Now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. So there's the promise. It's not going to be something we're going to know about. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. God's promises will never fail. Say that. God's promises will never fail. Say it again. God's promises will never, God's promises are 100% reliable. That in every moment, in every circumstance, when God said something was going to happen, it came to pass in his timing, in his way, through his people and for his people. God's promises are 100% reliable. And so as a result, I can build my life upon them so that I can overcome the worries and the fears of today and tomorrow. As a parent, I, <laughs> I remember parents, or, you know, as a youth pastor for 12 years, I remember parents saying, oh, I wouldn't want to be a person who brings a kid into the world now, right? 
and now my son's 16, my daughter's 13, the youngest is 10, and I look at some of them who are like some of the ladies, sorry, in our church who are pregnant, and I'm like, man, I would not want to bring a kid into this world now. Sign of getting old, all right? But it just is the way it is. But I want us to think about this. That is a lie. That is how we get duped. Because we let things like that resonate in our mind when the reality is this. God's promises never fail. Never. 100% reliable. Went to Royals game this week. Wits hitting 197. Wits my favorite, by the way. It tortures me to see him hitting 197. (laughs) If we had a baseball player hitting 1,000, it would be all over the news. Jesus bats 1,000 with his promises and everybody wants to question it. God's promises are 100% reliable. And listen, all the voices of the world are speaking around you internally and externally right now. And it may sound like chaos, but the more you tune in to God's word, the more you build your life upon the foundation of Jesus, the more you will hear his still small voice and listen and trust the promises of God that are 100% reliable. Let's pray. Jesus, we know that we can become bombarded and overwhelmed by the chaos of what goes on around us. We know that you are faithful and just. We know that based upon Scripture, you are faithful and just and will forgive us of any and all unrighteousness. So Lord, we confess where we haven't believed in and trusted you and your word and the promises that you've given us. May we be people who begin to look at your word and build our lives upon the promises because your promises are 100% reliable. Father, forgive us for a callousness to think that we can figure it out in a better way than you do. That we think our ways are oftentimes higher than yours when the reality of Scripture says your ways are higher than ours. Father, if there's anybody here who has never embraced the truth of salvation, that you died on the cross for their sins, But where they're at right now, by faith, they confess that they believe that you died on the cross and they confess it with their mouth that you rose again, God, that they are saved. If that's you right now, just where you're at, every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're saying, hey, I want to make a a profession of faith, that I'm placing my faith and trust in Jesus for the first time today, would you just simply raise your hand? Just where you're at. No pressure. You can put your hand down. Father, we pray that we would build our lives upon your promises because your promises lead us into a life of abundance, a life everlasting. We confess our sins. We know that we haven't walked oftentimes in obedience, but we've been surrounded by 
the echoes and the voices of the world. But God, may we walk by your truth. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.